Thank you for downloading or podcasting this track. This recording has been remastered to provide the best sound possible given the audio environment of the original recording session. Mosaic Silver Spring is a faith community located just inside the Capitol Beltway in Montgomery County. For more information, please visit our website, www.mosaicsilverspring.org, and we'll see you in the neighborhood. Good morning, church. My name is Michelle, and I will be doing the reading today from John chapter 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And do you know the way to where I am going? Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and seen him, have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for, for your Son. Thank you for sharing the truth of who you are, and may it be revealed more and more each day in our hearts and in our minds. I pray that you will prepare Joel to preach to us today, that you would use him to speak to us and prepare us to listen. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Michelle. Have you ever taken a class or been in a workplace meeting where there's that uh, question person? Uh, The one who, uh, when they open up for question time, is eager with questions, has many questions, wants to ask those questions. Throughout life, and the more classes you go to, the more meetings you attend, that question person is sometimes coming from different places, right? So you have the thinks they know it all question asker, you know what I'm talking about? The one who's like asking a question, but really they're demonstrating their own knowledge. Uh, It's not quite a question. 
Then uh, you have the, I was sitting in the back and didn't listen to anything you said. Will you repeat all of that again, question person? Uh, who, you know, like really kind of wants to know, genuinely has a, a hunger for knowledge, but uh, then clearly through their question is demonstrating that they don't, uh, didn't pay attention. Um, you occasionally, and uh, I don't, this is my least favorite question person in the room, is the kind of trolling bad faith question. Like, I disagree with you, and so I'm going to ask either a sarcastic or undercutting question to get at you as the person presenting. Well, in uh, John's gospel, Jesus has been heading uh, to his inevitable climax of his Christian ministry in Jerusalem. And as he's preparing the people around him for that, it is raising questions. So he is getting those bad faith, sarcastic, cynical questions from other religious leaders who doubt who he is. He is uh, getting questions from his disciples that oftentimes come from the, hey, I wasn't listening, Jesus, could you repeat that again? I understand you, area. Um, But here in the 14th chapter, he is getting the questions, I think, from a spot of anxiety of unmet expectations. It's it's almost the kind of like, wait, Jesus, are you sure this is the way that it has to go? Definitely questions that are being asked in good faith, but questions that seem at some level to be driven by a sense of unknown and a sense of concern for where this is headed. Here at Mosaic, we... uh, after the service and in a bit, we'll have a question and answer time. And and we do that because as a church, even though people often ask questions motivated by all sorts of things, we have an underlying belief that each of you here have questions about faith because it's a human thing. And uh, there are some ways to respond to that. You can uh, shut down any questions because you say, no, just listen to us. We're going to give you all the answers. It's black and white. And as a church community and, and certainly as a leadership team, the group of elders and pastors have said, hey, that's not a direction that we want to go. I'm not sure that that's wise or faithful. The other way is to ignore questions altogether and just say, no, no, no. I'll just, I'm just going to do what I know. I won't work or walk through those things. But life, and the seasons of life, whether your successes that may be unfulfilling or your suffering, has a way of pushing those questions back up to the surface. And in that way, here this morning, we have an opportunity to join together with the disciples to bring our questions to Jesus. Because the overarching point of what Jesus is going to say here in the 14th chapter is that he has answers to our most fundamental question of how we connect with God. Jesus meets our questions with an answer. And invites us to let that sink in and consider together as a whole community. And so we'll do that this morning in two points, shared questions and saving hope. So in the opening verses, you get the sense that Jesus recognizes the dynamic of what's going on. In verse 1, he opens and he uh, tells those who have been following him, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God And believe also in me. 
Jesus understands what God's mission for his life has called him to do. He understands what's required. He also understands that in some ways this is at odds with what the people who have been around him for now years, they have different expectations of what Jesus' life is going to look like. And so he is preparing them for what he must do as part of his vocation, as part of God's act of love and justice, as God's pouring out of grace for you and for I an open invitation, he recognizes this is going to involve some hard stuff. And the disciples are struggling with that reality. And so Jesus pauses and opens and says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, will I not come again and take you to myself? For where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am. So Jesus is unpacking their sense of anxiety with a sense of peace. This is what God has called them to do and trust that I am continuing this mission of God in a way that prepares the way for you. Trust that when I give you my word, that I'm not only going to go and prepare a place, but that that place is for you, that then I'm coming back to bring you with me. It's a bit like if you talk to any teacher or parent who has younger kids, they often can uh, live with a type of concrete thinking. Uh, and uh, how that comes out in family life is when you need to go to work because each of you understands that work helps. Uh, not only put Christmas gifts, at least a couple of them under the tree, but keep the lights on among other things. Right? So you're like, hey, I have to work. But your kids who are very concrete are like, hey, I mean, do you really have to go to work? I don't know where you're going. I don't know what you're doing. Why don't you just stay here? And at some level, that's really inviting. You're like, oh, that's sweet. And it would kind of be nice to stay here. But because you understand how all of these other pieces relate, you understand that what you have to do in leaving is connected to what you're trying to accomplish as a family. And, and so you tell your kid, hey, oh, that's sweet. I love you. Don't let your hearts be worried. I'll be back for dinner or tomorrow or at the end of this trip or whatever it may be. This is what Jesus is communicating to his disciples, right? They're saying, Jesus, do you really have to go? Like, hold on, can't we just stay together here in Jerusalem? Can't we do some other things? And Jesus is saying, my path, God's mission to me, involves the giving up of my life. He knows that's what's coming. In John's gospel, they're about to make this turn that inevitably will lead to Jesus' sacrificial death for his disciples. That's how he has to do business with the reality of sin. And he appreciates where the disciples are coming from. So he's trying to connect them together with the broader picture of what God is doing to help let it settle home for them. This is what's required. If sin did not have to be dealt with, well, then Jesus didn't have to go to the cross. He could have just stayed right there. He could have responded to their anxious hearts and said, yeah, hey, I'm not going to go in today. Let's just hang out. Let's stream something on Netflix or Disney+. Plus. 
I mean, that didn't exist, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, and so that option was not available to Jesus because there was only one way to deal with the reality of our sin and the offense that it causes to a holy and mighty God that could bring about the reconciliation of us to him. It wasn't an option to just stay home. Jesus said the mission requires it. Now Thomas has questions. He and Philip, they're going to raise their hands. In verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? He's like, Jesus, if you head out, how are we supposed to follow you? Like, if you're the right way, how do we, how do we follow? Jesus says to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then a bit later, Philip, one of the other disciples, down in verse 8, asks, Lord, well, just show us the way to the Father. Um, that's enough. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Ouch. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe one account of the works themselves. Jesus is taking Thomas's question and Philip's question and helping connect them to the reality of who God is, the triune God of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This idea that uh, by engaging with the incarnate God, the Son taking on flesh, that uh, they don't need to go see someone else. They are experiencing God among them. He has come close to them to lead them forward. And that he, in and of himself, is enough. Your questions this morning may not be uh, how uh, can I follow in a physical geographic way to get to Jesus? You may have other questions. What's most important in life? Uh, are there more routes to get to God than just one? Um, why am I here? Like, surely there's more than just waking up, eating, uh, doing the activities that I'm required to do, uh, coming home and finding some source of entertainment, eating some more, falling asleep, and then hitting repeat day over day over day. Is there more meaning to life than that? What is it? How can I know? And unmitigated success where uh, all of your wildest dreams come true and then you're still not happy, or suffering where uh, life is really pushing in on you, or anything in between can often bubble up these questions that deal with the spiritual realities of our life. Who is God? What is he doing? How do I know? And how can I follow? 
In verse 6, Jesus is giving answers to the shared human questions that not only do the disciples like Thomas and Philip have, but each of us often wrestle through. Jesus is giving the answer in the saving hope that comes through himself. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is saying these are important questions. Uh, You can express your doubts. He doesn't shun Thomas or Philip. He doesn't kick them out for asking questions. He welcomes them. He is moreover going to give them an answer. That if in the midst of your deepest spiritual questions about how you can connect with something more, something deeper, something that God is doing in the world, Jesus invites you in through faith to trust in him. That is the way. It's the natural extension of if the only way to actually deal with our sin, what separates us from God, is through Christ's death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead is the evidence that we have that hope of vindication, that uh, he did it, then that's where the source of this claim comes, that he is the way for us. Some years ago, a scientist named Jan Suman did an experiment where he dropped uh, a few groups of people off, one group in the middle of the Sahara Desert and the other group in the middle of a deep, dense German forest. And like they had supplies like water and food and stuff, right? They also had GPS trackers on them, but they had no other guide. And he said, start walking and try to find your way. And so he drops one group in the Sahara Desert, and he drops the other group in the middle of a deep, dense German forest. And the underlying question that he was trying to answer, although he didn't tell the participants this, is do humans, when they're lost, really just walk in circles? That was the underlying question that he was trying to answer. Now, look, I know that if you are lost, you don't just, like, do this, right? Like, you don't just, like, actually walk in a small circle. Like, who, who, would, who would ever do that? But his question was over distance. Uh, for whatever reason, do you actually just end up kind of back where you were in some sort of circular motion? Short answer to a long paper is yes, if you have no referent point. This is what Jan Suman found in his paper. He basically found that if you have no reference for your journey, no way to guide or direct you, you will end up biologically. We don't know why. There are lots of theories about this, and he explores it in the paper. But you are going to end up just walking in one big circle, and you're going to stay lost, left to yourself without a reference. So as exclusivistic as Jesus' claim sounds in verse 6 as the saving hope, what Jesus is trying to shine light onto for our spiritual journeys is that if your spiritual journey is solely left up to you and to your own feelings or inclinations or your own truth with a small t, that the danger of that is you are going to walk in spiritual circles in your journey and may not even know it. You could think that you're navigating a tree here or a dune there. You may think that uh, you are really making or covering a lot of distance. And in some sense, you may. But Jesus 
warning and invitation at the same time is that the end result of a spiritual journey with no true referent is actually this. It's the spiritual version of doing that. Walking in circles. And so out of love and care for the disciples and as an open invitation for anyone who has ears to hear, Jesus is inviting people to consider that through his death and resurrection, he is the true reference point for our spiritual journeys. And so that's the reality that we navigate now. It's based on this idea that we're not in heaven right now. So like we're not at the destination. I don't think anyone here would argue. World's not perfect, right? No one's going to argue with that. Okay, good. So, so in some sense, we're all on some journey somewhere uh, for love or for justice or for peace or for all of those things. And so then the question is, what's guiding that journey? Fundamentally, here at Mosaic, we think that every person, every neighbor, every coworker is on a spiritual journey somewhere. And they may not put it that way. They may not frame it up that way, and that's okay. But that they are trying to navigate life using some reference point or no reference at all. And as Christians... As we take our own journey during the season of Advent between Christ's finished work on the cross and the vindication that comes through his resurrection and the reconciliation that comes with it, we're waiting for his return, trusting that he had a true sense of God's mission on his life. That if he says, I'm going to build a house, that he is returning so that while we're not in heaven now, life is not perfect. New heavens and new earth are coming, and that's what we're looking for. And so in the meantime, between then And ahead, we're on a journey. And the Christian hope, the Christian faith, in some ways is quite simple. It's as we are on that journey, we are looking to the resurrected Jesus through faith. We're not trying to clean ourselves up. We're not trying to make ourselves better. We're not trying to serve as our own reference point. We are coming again and again in imperfect ways to say, Jesus, guide us. Jesus served as the sense of direction for our spiritual journeys. Jesus challenged us in the ways in which we are captive to our own cultural ways of thinking, uh, our own institutional sin, the ways in which our own individual temptations, uh, whether lust, uh, addiction, selfishness, whatever it may be, help us to break free of those circles that go nowhere to follow faithfully in the path that you would lead us. That's the saving hope that we have as Christians. And so during the season of Advent, we're reminded that not only has Jesus arrived, but that he's going to return. And that in that in-between, we are following the Son, who's become a Savior and is worthy to follow. He serves as the one true saving hope, the one reference point to whom we can come with our doubts or our struggles or our questions. He's the one that should hold our gaze as we move forward in faith. I pray that God will give us wisdom to do just that, lest we think that we can go at our own and end up walking in circles. Let me pray. God, I ask that you will watch over us as a community.
We have so many uh, talented people, not only here at Mosaic, but in the broader DMV area. But God, I pray that we would avoid the foolish mistake of thinking that our individual competencies and talent and giftedness are enough to avoid the spiritual circles we may walk in. Instead, by the power of your spirit, God, I ask that you will grab hold of our gaze, that we will look to you, Jesus, in hope and in faith and continue to take one step after the other, left foot, right foot, left foot, until you return. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.